1: June is a great time of the year on The Curious Ear. It's when student programme makers and the various college radio courses send in their final year documentaries. First into the 2010 inbox is a quirky collection of people's stories. It's from Erica Mills, who studied journalism at DIT. Erica wanted to talk to people about being obsessive. And in this extract, she began with herself and her own history of obsession. In
2: the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit... When I
3: was a little girl, I was very religious. My mind was always full of thoughts of piety and prayer, of patience and of penance. I embraced religion with a fervour that belied my young age. Looking back on it now, I can see that I was obsessed by it. I took to donning a tea towel and practice of becoming a nun. I sang in choirs and served on altars and prayed in prayer groups, attended retreats, anything that might increase my devotion. I was fully complicit in the creation of my obsession where is the line between devotion to something and obsession?
4: Yeah, I'm a big gamer, big fan of gaming. The 2009 edition of FIFA 09, one of the things that caught my attention for it was they have a tournament, it's called the FIFA Interactive World Cup, and there's a ranking system online. I came in late in 09, I didn't take it too seriously, but I bought the new game when it came out in... 2009 which was FIFA 10 and I entered the tournament online and within the first two days I was ranked in the top 10 of the world
3: So to get in the top 10 in the world how much effort did you have to put in?
4: It would have been solid gaming all day
3: For how many days?
4: Well that would have been just over two days Um, so for those two days I would have basically been playing from maybe 12 noon in the day Two three, four, five o'clock in the morning,
3: so why don't you socialize much
4: um at the moment, because I don't have a job, I don't have too many people that I would spend a lot of time with outside of home at the moment without work, it's a kind of a lack of money is a problem as well.
3: Can you do a little calculation in your head now of how many hours you spend on gaming every week
4: every week, seven days, I'd say. I could probably do a working week, at least, anyway.
3: Carlos does not see himself as obsessed. Moore is a big fan of gaming, even though it costs him hours of his time, money, and means he may miss out on social interaction, except that found online. He often spends time, when not gaming, researching games and equipment. There's another purchase you were looking to,
4: to get. I want to upgrade to high definition, because obviously I'm only getting half the consoles worth playing on a standard-definition television.
3: So do you not think it's a bit of an irony to be unemployed but looking to spend a large amount of money on a HD television.
4: Well, you don't need to spend an awfully large amount of money these days, you know. At the end of the day, I can spend the same amount today that I spent on my current television five years ago.
3: But I assume that five years ago you were working.
4: Yeah, that's true, I was.
3: So where is the line between being a fan and being obsessed? Or are both things just opposite ends of the same scale? Ben is 26 and has been supporting Liverpool since he was eight.
1: I walked in during the uh, Arsenal-Liverpool game when uh, Michael Thomas scored that goal that lost us the league and my cousin was crying on the floor and I was asking him what was wrong and he said Liverpool just lost the league and I was, felt kind of sorry for Liverpool so I started supporting Liverpool. I, I wouldn't miss a game for anything there's no reason I can see to miss a game
3: uh, Would you classify yourself as
1: obsessed? Uh, Yeah I would I, I would I would but it's. I think again it's a good obsession it's not it's not bad I'm not I don't know I'm not hurting anyone with my obsession unless I suppose I was getting married on the day of a Liverpool game but I'm sure we'll cross that bridge <laughs>
3: His obsession gives him a sense of community and fun, even though it sometimes interferes with social situations.
1: I suppose my worst or best moment, depending on which way you look at it, would be uh, I was at a christening and the, the meal was supposed to start at 2. And Liverpool were kicking off at 3 and I thought I'd have enough time to watch it and the meal didn't kick off till 3. So I kind of started watching the match and then I went over to the meal, sat down, I was very anxious and my girlfriend now told me to go back and watch the match. So I went back and fair play to where she came and gave me the three courses <laughs> uh, while watching the match. Her family weren't the biggest fan of me for running off in the meal, but I had to watch the match. So
3: <laughs> This was fairly recently after you met her yet?
1: Yeah, it was only a quarter months <laughs> after meeting her. My name's
3: Lisa, I'm 25.
5: I am epically and shamelessly obsessed with an American TV show called Supernatural.
3: How much time does Supernatural take up of your week or your day?
5: Hours. Uh, every day. I'd say at least three or four hours a day is something to do with Supernatural. Most evenings is spent trawling the internet for something to do with it. Articles, interviews, videos, all that sort of thing.
3: Lisa has been watching the show since it began five years ago when it provided a lifeline to her. Five years ago I was
5: living in Italy in a tiny, isolated village and there was a huge language barrier there. I didn't speak the language yet and I didn't know anybody and I spent most of my time sitting in a bedroom, not doing much, watching telly or going on the internet and I, had not, I hardly had any connection with the outside world. And I heard of this show and... Um, I got talking to its fans and I don't have much family to contact or anything and I was very isolated, very alone. So finding this show and it opened up a whole world to me. Thousands of fans, people I could connect with, talk to, with this show linking us all together. And it just gave me what I needed, contact with the outside world, feeling like I belong somewhere.
2: I had to, I had to look out for you that's my job.
5: With these brothers' relationship, they don't have a home life, and their mother died when they were younger, and their father was quite absent for most of their life. And all they do have is each other, and it's the same with my life, quite similar. I'm really close to my siblings, and our home life was always rocky. We didn't have much by way of parental figures in our life, so I can identify really well with the show and their relationship, and it hits close to home quite a few times.
0: What do you think my job is? What? You saved my life. Over and over. I mean, you sacrifice everything for me. Don't you think i do the same for you? You're my big brother. There's nothing I wouldn't do for you. Flora is a tattoo
2: apprentice who works in Red Dragon tattoos in Clendoggan. My obsession is tattoos. <laughs> my earliest memories from primary school are getting in trouble for drawing tattoos on people with a biro. Have you many tattoos yourself? I've got four. (laughs) I've got two on my back and two on my forearms. Uh, The one on my back is actually a band logo, and the second one on my back was the lead singer of the band. I actually met her at a gig, and she loved the tattoo so much. She grabbed a marker and wrote, Miss B loves me on my back. And I got made permanent the next day. I just had to. Uh, And then I've got Sally from Nightmare Before Christmas on my forearm. She's a work in progress. And I've got a sugar skull on my left forearm. So are you planning to have much done? Oh yeah, (laughs) I'm planning on being covered. I'm not getting my hands, face or neck tattooed because... It'll sound really vain, but on a woman, the first places you show your age are neck, hands and face. So, you know, I want to be able to enjoy my tattoos for as long as possible. And if they're going to be wrinkly and looking stupid, you know, I'm not going to be able to enjoy them for as long.
3: See, the thing that I was assuming there was the face, neck and hands are the places that, you know, are hardest to hide. That's why I assumed. But your reasons are actually because you want to get the most out of what it is you love. Yeah.
2: Well, it's also, they're called job stoppers as well. Now, I know this is my career, so nobody's going to stop me going for a job interview because I have visible tattoos in the tattoo field. But I know I used to work in retail and I used to get a lot of flack over my visible tattoos. You know, it's either cover them up or don't get them at all, and I don't think that's right. So as part of your obsession, you're, um, you practice? Yes, I practice. <laughs> I practice on pigskin. Uh, basically there's a butcher's underneath our shop and they give me pig skin when I need it and if it's not already shaved I have to shave it but you have to do that with people as well Uh, so yeah it stinks but you know it's it's better than just going out there and tattooing on people straight away so for someone with an obsession what's in it for them Laura has
3: funneled her obsession for art and tattooing into her career and says doing so allows her to stay true to herself why do we often view obsession as something negative?
5: As long as an obsession isn't hurting anybody or causing too much friction in your life, I don't think there's anything wrong with it at all. And it can help people, it certainly helped me. I was in a very bad place in my life, very dark and alone and isolated, and without it, I don't like to
3: think how I would have ended up At them. Being religious taught me humility, patience, respect and an unwillingness to judge others.
1: Liverpool fans are just totally different. It's, it's like one big family, I suppose, and... You you just, you do really feel a part of something.
3: So maybe obsession is not such a bad thing at all. Maybe, just maybe, it's what you do with the obsession that counts.
1: Stories of Obsession from Erica Mills. That was an extract from her final year documentary in the International Journalism course in the Dublin Institute of Technology. You've been listening to The Curious Ear... I'm Ronan Kelly.